You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, it's been a little more than a week since our last episode, so we have quite a good bit to catch up on. I think let's start this episode talking about Billy Napier just continuing to round out his staff. In the last week and a half or so, there have been two new additions to the on-field staff. Linebackers coach Mike Peterson has been brought over from South Carolina. I want to talk to you about him a little bit because you probably have a better idea of how he's regarded on the recruiting trail. But obviously, Florida fans are, are quite familiar with Mike Peterson, a guy that was a, a standout player back in the day at Florida, um, you know, put together a really fantastic NFL career. I think brings a lot of charisma, I think, as a recruiter, Blake. Uh, Jordan Birch is a guy that I know was a five-star prospect. He landed at South Carolina. But from your angle and, and talking to, you know, other coaches and, and uh, other recruiting site reporters around the network, what do you expect Mike Peterson to bring in that regard? You know, I think him being on the younger side, you know, as, as relative as, you know, coaching, you know, he's he's not, you know, as young as maybe a Christian Robinson from the former staff, but I still think that he could, is able to relate to a lot of players. I think having, you know, being a guy that has played in the SEC, has played in the NFL, I think is something that will be regarded on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, coming from South Carolina, um, you know, their unit at linebackers, they always fielded a pretty good unit, you know. Um, so I think that that's something you put your hat on. Um, you know, just being a guy that has played at Florida, has ties to Florida, to Gainesville, um, I think that that where you see a lot of the passion kind of come through on the recruiting trail, you know, you get kind of a, a different energy whenever you're recruiting for your alma mater. Mm-hmm. So I think that that'll be good on the recruiting trail for them. Um, you know, I don't know that he's really regarded as, you know, an elite recruiter or an ace recruiter or anything like that, but he's still a very good recruiter. You know, you named Jordan Birch, you know, a big guy that, you know, was, was a big target for South Carolina there. Um, that was kind of a culmination of the entire staff at South Carolina recruiting him, but sure. he was very much involved with him. Um, he's landed some other guys at South Carolina. Um, so, you know, I'm interested to see how he does once he gets with Florida. But again, I think that energy of him wanting to, you know, kind of represent that SEC, having, you know, uh, the army of recruiting staffers and off-field people that Napier has, along with being able to be assisted by other guys on this recruiting staff. Because when you talk to these recruits, you know, it's not just one or two coaches that, you know, these guys are talking to. Sometimes it's four or five guys, you know, throw in some of those recruiting office guys. So a lot of these, you know, kids, uh, you know, that are being recruited by Florida are dealing with a lot of coaches. So that'll give him some backup. That'll give him a chance to kind of shine. So I'm excited to see how, how he really gets after it. And, you know, with the, with the kids coming in this weekend, Florida's gonna have a big five-star linebacker on campus. So this is his chance to, you know, really relate to, you know, that guy and, and really try to, you know, get in the ear of a, of an elite prospect, you know, not just on Florida's board, but just around the country. Blake, I know we're going to talk recruiting in the second half, but that five-star guy you're talking about is Harold Perkins. Correct. Okay. So, uh, say the name because I knew we were talking about him later. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to, I didn't want to steal your thunder from the second half of the show. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Um, yeah, I think, Blake, I think anytime you can get former players onto your staff, it's a good thing. And I always, you know, we always go back and forth with fans, particularly on the message board at Swamp 24 7, about how big a deal that is. You know, I, I don't know that it should be a, you know, deciding factor in a hire, 
Um, but to me, there's there's a lot of benefits there. And, and one of the big benefits I think we've seen already play out with some of Billy Napier's kind of targeted staff hires is he clearly wants to build that network of alumni and guys that have ties to the program. How big a deal is that for you, Blake? Uh, for me personally, I think it's good because, uh, you know, getting those players to come back, you know, I thought that that was something that Mullen did a good job of just because previously you didn't see a lot of guys come back to, you know, Florida to talk to the team, to be around the team. Um, you know, with Mike Peterson, I, I believe the title is, uh, what is it? Alumni liaison, liaison alumni or something, liaison, yeah. something that effect. I think it's good that he's putting an emphasis on that because Mike Peterson can get those guys, you know, having Kiwan Ratliff on the other staff, you know, when Mullen was here, I thought that was good because he knew a lot of former players, you know, again, they had a lot of guys come back. Mullen being a former assistant coach at Florida, he had a lot of guys come to practice to talk to the players. You know, I think that those things are beneficial to talk to those guys that have, you know, won at the highest level at Florida, whether it's a national championship and SEC championship. So I think still keeping that thought alive with a guy like Mike Peterson, I think is really important to Florida. Yeah, and Peterson's not the only one, Blake. Florida announced today that they have hired Chester Blackshear, who was an offensive lineman who started 28 games for Florida uh, from 1996 to 1999, was on the 96 national title team. Uh, a guy that, you know, I know has ties to Shannon Snell and, and some of the other more vocal kind of uh, Spurrier era guys. And I think the more different, you know, kind of pieces you can pull from, I think the better and, and, you know, Chester Blackshear is a guy that's coming over after spending four years at Dartmouth, you know, has a, a, a bit of a lengthy coaching career, but hasn't maybe gotten a big break yet. He's coming in as a quality control assistant on the offensive line. I think when you look at that type of a hire, you know, where, where maybe probably off the radar for, for most fans, maybe even a lot of analysts, when you put together, you know, coaching hot boards, I think that shows to me that Billy Napier has a plan of wanting to maximize alumni engagement, wanting to get the fan base in it. And when he talks about the fans really being a huge part of the operation, one way to get the fans involved is have players that, you know, they're familiar with that can sell, you know, what Florida should be, what Florida used to be, you know, when you were firing on all cylinders. And I think, you know, retaining Vernell Brown, I think that's another key part. You know, Vernell Brown's from the, the Urban Meyer tree and, and that period of success. I think the more guys that you can bring from different, you know, periods of success in Florida history, the more you can talk to them about what went well. And, you know, for a guy like Chester Blackshear, obviously Florida has um, two offensive line coaches. And we'll, we'll talk about Rob Sales hire in just a second. But when you get a third guy in there that has legitimate coaching experience at the college level, and he's coming in as a quality control analyst at his alma mater, a place that, you know, obviously he has a lot of love for, won a national title at, you have, as Billy Napier, can then begin to evaluate that guy and see, okay, what does he bring to the table? Is he ready for a step up, you know, to the SEC level? And I think it just shows a lot of foresight from Billy Napier. It reads a lot to me like he had a list of, you know, guys uh, that are Florida alumni that are in coaching and, and, you know, maybe you can get a Mike Peterson right on your on-field staff and he's ready for that kind of role. But also who are some of these other guys that, you know, went to Florida and are interested in getting into coaching, uh, at maybe a higher level. And, and Chester Blackshear, I think is a guy like that. I, I love the idea of bringing in alumni from different parts of Florida football history, but like, let's talk about Rob Sale. He's a guy that obviously very early on, you know, after Billy Napier was hired, we had circled as a guy that fans needed to watch. Felt very confident for a long time that he would be on this coaching staff. NFL season ended on Sunday. Rob Sale brought aboard, I believe, officially yesterday. Um, but we again, we kind of knew that was going to happen. 
Blake, what are your initial thoughts on Rob Sale, uh, both as a coach and a recruiter from what you've heard? Uh, you know, as a recruiter, I'm, I'm not really familiar with him as a recruiter. You know, he was at, at Georgia. Um, he was able to land some guys, you know, for Georgia when he was there. Georgia, you know, obviously it's a big logo. It's a big SEC team. Um, you know, that's a team where, you know, recruiting, is, it's, it's not hard to recruit when you're in the SEC. Um, as far as ULL, I think he was known as more of a developer. And I think you've seen a lot of those guys, you know, a team like ULL that, not a lot of people. I mean, if you're a casual college football fan and you follow like, you know, the big power five type teams, you might not know ULL, but to see those types of teams, um, those guys from that team get drafted that were under him, under his coaching. Um, I think that shows the big development. And I think that's something that Florida's offensive line obviously needs, you know, obviously infusing talent is a big thing just because they need to continue to add those four or five star type of guys, those top 100 big time players. That's how you win the SEC. You build that great wall around your offense. So if he can do that, you know, you obviously having two offensive line coaches, you can be able to kind of tag team a lot of these offensive linemen on the trail. Again, kind of having the help from other coaches that are involved, whether it's an area recruiter or just, you know, the head coach calling kids as frequently as Billy Napier does. Um, but as far as, you know, coaching, I think that it's good that he has a lot of ties with Napier. And I think the success that Napier had at ULL, as far as, you know, the run game, you know, he's really known for running the ball. Obviously it starts up front with the offensive line. You have a guy that you were successful with and Rob sale, and they'll look to continue that type of success at Florida. So that type of chemistry, I think can be good. Um, we'll see how things go on the field whenever they start playing these games, if that chemistry does translate to the sec, but chemistry is a good thing within a coaching staff. And I think that's the biggest thing that it sticks out to me that sale brings. Yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, it's funny, you know, depending on how involved you are on message boards, Twitter, whatever your medium for kind of consuming Florida news is, you may have a different impression of certain things. Uh, if you're listening to Georgia fans or New York Giants fans, you know, where Rob Sale spent 2021 with the Giants, didn't have a very good offensive line, the Giants weren't very good. And you listen to Georgia fans from 2015 when Rob Sale was there, you know, the final year of, of Mark Rick's tenure when things were kind of going south. Neither of nobody who watched him at those two stops seems to have a very high opinion of him, but he was only there for one year. And so I, I made this point on Twitter yesterday is you can't you can't really judge somebody on one year when they're walking into a situation where they didn't recruit those kids or they didn't, you know, go out what and draft it's a crappy those kids. situation to be in. You know, like you said, the end of Mark Rick's tenure, the, the Giants, I mean. They haven't been good even before he was there. Right. You know, they've been on that downward spiral from you know Eli Manning throwing touchdowns in the Super Bowl, you know, several years back. So they've been on a downward spiral too. So I think you could even kind of throw in some idea of that. You know, he was hired onto like, you know, kind of a dead man walking type of staff. Totally agree. Totally agree. And and uh, my point in saying that is, you know, ESPN even quoted Rob Sale earlier this year when he was asked about the differences between coaching in college and coaching in the NFL. And he basically said, there's really not a whole lot of difference, right? Like you're coaching guys on on technique and development. And at the end of the day, college or NFL, guys are still going through the same types of hurdles, you know, to get them to perform the same type of off the field stuff uh, for the most part in the NFL and college. But he said the difference is in one, you get to buy your groceries, right? You get to choose your groceries, <laughs> meaning in the NFL, when you walk into a job, there's a GM that's in charge of the drafting, the head coach, you know, I mean, there's there's some collaboration of vision. But it's not at all like recruiting in in the college level where you really kind of set your draft board and you develop. And that's why I think. And you're like, evaluating those guys sometimes as freshman underclassmen. So, you you know, it's not like, a, well, let's pop on the college tape and see how he did as a senior or junior. I mean, you're literally starting it. You know, these kids coming to camps and if they're in middle school, you know, exactly. even if you've got a guy that, you know, comes to those camps while you're there that long. So, you know, for exactly. Sure, I agree. And that's and that's where I circle back to your point of like his his stint at Louisiana for those three years was really, really good. Right. And he was he was there from, you know, the first three years, wasn't there for the fourth year. 
under Billy Napier. But if you look at Louisiana's line and how they developed, I mean, Robert Hunt got drafted in the second round in 2020. Kevin Dotson got drafted in the fourth round, same year. So you're talking about two NFL prospects right Osiris there. Osiris Torrance, who's a transfer guy that was recruited by him. That's very like highly thought 20 of. 20 or something in the transfer portal rankings. Max Mitchell's um, a guy. A guy. That we can talk to later. But, you know, there's some big time guys. Yeah. Uh, you so know, at yeah. a place like Louisiana, to me, that's very impressive. And again, I think, like you said, you do have two offensive line coaches. You're bringing in guys like like Blackshear, who you know won't be able to go on the road recruiting for you. But when you bring guys to campus, they're gonna know, hey, there's a lot of different guys here, and I think you'll have different personalities to sell. Uh, but I think it's a fantastic hire for Florida. You know, I, I really do, Blake. And you know that that brings us to eight hires on the assistant coaching staff. Only two more to go. So I, I think over the next couple days, we'll we'll probably see some more movement. Uh, but Blake, I, I think you and have as far to like, as the spots remaining, special teams coach seems like something Billy Napier wants a standalone, and then inside linebackers coach. I think just, right now what's going to happen is is defensive line coach. You, you need oh, excuse a defensive me, defensive line, line coach. coach. Excuse me, defensive line. Yeah, right, and then sorry. and then either linebackers or safeties coach. So how that shakes out remains to be seen based on how negotiations play out and who they can land. Uh, I think Patrick Tony could very much slide down to linebacker depending on how discussions go with other candidates. I would expect the special teams to be handled by an off-the-field staffer. Um, you get a certain number of guys that are not on the assistant coaching staff that can be on the headsets on game day. So if you put you know an off-the-field staffer in charge of special teams, they can spend all the time drawing up special team scheme, teaching it during the week, and then they can be on the headset you know on game day. I don't think they're going to have a dedicated on-field coach which I thought team. that was kind of strange whenever Napier did say that in his introductory press conference that they'd have a coach for special teams. I was, I mean, yeah. it's just so it's it's like you know it's important to have a, a kicker on on scholarship, but it's one of those positions to where you can get away with it as a walk on if you've got a guy that's talented enough that'll come in. Um, maybe not so much for Florida this past season, but you know it's just special teams seems like something that you could have an off the field guy t- try to handle and and really leave those on field you know coaching jobs for the guys that are. You know, sorry, kickers and punters, but coaching more important spots. Yeah, and I think it'll still be a team effort, right? Like you saw under no, Dan no Mullen, you know, when you're actually in practice, you know, it's going to be on-field assistant coaches that are also coaching sure. guys through special teams drills. But as far as the organization of it, right, as a dedicated singular coach for that, right. yeah, right. Blake, uh, you mentioned Osiris Torrance. Can you can you give us the latest on him and running back Montrell Harris? They're two guys that played at Louisiana, have entered the transfer portal. There's at least some interest in Florida. Just give us the the quick scoop on both of those guys. Yeah, like you said, Montreal uh, Johnson, he's the running back, former ULL running back. Um, Osiris Torrance is a former interior offensive lineman from ULL, um, has been a three-year starter there. Um, I believe, like I said, he was I think number 15, 20, so, somewhere around that effect as far as the transfer portal rankings go. Um, both have been re-ranked by 24-7 sports as far as when they entered the transfer portal as four-star players. Um, so I actually have both of them uh, with a 24-7 sports crystal ball for transfers. Um, I have them both pegged to Florida. Um, I think Montreal Johnson at this point um, is a guy that I feel a little bit more confident on. You know, I definitely feel like that's kind of a, you know, more of a, you know, when and not a, you know, when he's going to make that decision to come to Florida and not a where is he going type of decision. Um, I think that that's one that, you know, you could see Florida make some type of announcement or him make some type of announcement. I could see that happening in the near future. Um, Osiris Torrance, again, as a guy that I've had a pick in for a while, I felt confident on him ending up at Florida. Um, he's, it's tricky because drop ad was on the 11th of right, this month, yesterday. which is just passed. Um, so it, there's some, some leeway there with as far as getting in after drop ad. 
Um, you know, I, I believe for transfer athletes, there's waivers, there's all sorts of things that are way above my knowledge level of really knowing how yeah. the inner workings of, you know, scholastics work. And, um, but there does seem like, at least from Torrance's thoughts, that he has some leeway to whenever he could enroll, if that's, you know, at Florida or somewhere else that already has passed a drop ad. Um, Florida staff has continued to feel really confident on him, um, but Torrance has really wanted to take some visits. He's already done an official visit to Auburn, I believe, which was uh, the 5th of this month. Mm -hmm. um, something that effect whenever transfers could start taking those official visits. Um, he's told me that he plans to be at LSU on Thursday of this week. Ole Miss and Florida are some other trips he's mentioned taking, uh, but no visits have been etched in. Um, this is a guy that's coming in. He's taking a one-day official visit these schools. He doesn't feel like he needs to spend the entire weekend, see all the bells and whistles. He wants to get, you know, the the meat and bones and, you know, those types of visits and see the, you know, what I need to be successful there because I'm probably only going to be here one year at the max. Right. I mean, he's that one of those guys prospect. that's looking at an NFL prospect. Um, I don't think he needs to see, oh, wow, there is someone riding a horse right in front of my house. How about that? <laughs> well, don't see that every day. Um, but Lakeland, Polk yeah. County, y'all. Polk County, y'all. But, you know, again, he's a guy that, you know, he seems to be kind of taking a business-like approach, seeing these schools, weighing his options. He's got a bunch of offers, some that he's reported on his Twitter, some that he hasn't. Um, but I still have gotten the vibe that Florida continues to feel confident there. Um, you know, we'll see what his timeline. He says that he plans on being somewhere um, for the spring semester. Again, he says there's some leeway there on when he can enroll in a school because, again, you know, schools around the country are starting to hit those drop ad dates and he's still taking visits. But, you know, as far as I know, Florida still feels confident. I'm still rolling my pick on Florida, but he's probably the one of those two. ULL transfer guys that I'm keeping a little bit closer of an eye on. And that's just more because I feel like Johnson is kind of, again, a thing to where it's just, we're, we're waiting on an announcement of some sort because I do feel confident that he ends up at Florida. Like did, uh, did Mackie Gardner commit to LSU, the, the Louisiana cornerback? He transfer? did, I thought he did he yesterday. Did. And so. that's the guy that, you know, before it was rumored he was going to be entering the portal. Um, a lot of people pegged him to go to Florida whenever he actually did enter the transfer portal. There really didn't seem to be much traction between him and Florida. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, a lot of guys thought early on that that was a guy that was kind of a foregone conclusion that he ended up at Florida. Um, I was saying, you know, whenever he entered the portal, it just didn't seem to add up, you know, where you've got a guy like Torrance and, you know, Johnson, whenever those guys entered the portal, you know, it seemed interest. like Florida really immediately had that interest and you didn't get that, that type of interest from Gardner. So, but he did commit to LSU. That's where he'll spend his next, I believe, two years of playing eligibility. Yeah. I, I want to wrap up this, this first half of the segment talking about a couple other players, because I, I think Florida's numbers are good in the secondary. And that's kind of where I was going with that. Trey Dean has announced he'll be back as a super senior next year. Uh, so I think that I, he's a guy that obviously, you know, his first three years at Florida really didn't have a fit. I think the old staff didn't quite know where to put him, went from cornerback to nickelback and then eventually to safety. Just, you know, his junior year at safety in 2020, he was behind the three other seniors, uh, Steiner, uh, Sean Davis and Brad Stewart. And so he just didn't play a whole lot. I thought he played pretty well this year. I think he finished as Florida's leading tackler. You know, still some areas of his game that he can clean up. But I think when you get him working with a guy like potentially a Patrick Tony, if he's, you know, at safeties. I and think not the linebackers. coaching is a big thing for him. Whenever you saw Weston McGriff come in, you saw Trey Dean elevate his got game. A lot better. Patrick Tony can continue on that track. You know, you could, again, see him get a lot better. So I, I think that's a key retention for Florida. And then I guess, Blake, the three guys um, that have made announcements in the in the recent days are uh, Kyrie Elam is going to head to the NFL. I know he was probably a little bit more torn on that decision than people might have expected, but you know, I think anytime you're a, you're a first, second round type prospect, it's really hard to turn down that guaranteed contract. And, you know, he's such a hard worker. I, I, you know, barring injury, I have no doubt he'd be able to get a second contract as well. Running backs, Damian Pierce and Malik Davis also both off to the NFL. So Blake, as we talked about, 
I think Florida has a need at running back. Montreal Johnson, it seems like more a matter of just added win. Trevor Etienne as well. Just added um, Trevor Etienne during the All American Bowl, so they're definitely putting some attention to that running back position. And, and that's a spot we talked about. They had to shore up. So Florida, I think, doing a good job of starting to balance out the roster. It seems very clear that Billy Napier is aware of class balance. I think that's why you, you know one of the reasons you saw them not really go after Mackie Gardner much. Um, but you know, I think Florida roster starting to take shape. I think it's very clear that Billy Napier has a plan. Like part of that plan is going to involve recruiting, specifically a major recruiting weekend on tap. So let's take a quick break. I'll come back and talk to you on the other side about what we can expect from Florida's major official visit weekend coming up. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Lake, this is one of the bigger unofficial uh, visit weekends that I've seen for Florida in a long time. And a big part of that is Florida only signed nine guys in the early signing period. So you kind of have two factors playing out here. One, Florida's kind of running up against the 85-man scholarship limit. So it's not going to be a huge class in the first place. But two, they wanted to kind of be patient and see what played out after the early signing period because they do want to hit on the right evals. They don't want to take guys just to take guys. So who are maybe the top couple guys on this weekend's official visitor list. We probably don't have to get to every guy that's going to visit, but who are some of the top guys? Yeah, I'll that, be doing this show till tomorrow. If I, I know. Yeah. These names. Who are maybe the top four to five guys that, that you think Florida is probably trying to get in the boat that, that even the casual fans should probably know about going into this weekend. You know, we already mentioned Harold Perkins earlier in the show, you know, having a five-star linebacker, having the number one linebacker in the country um, on campus, I think that's a big deal. Um, I think that heading into that visit, Florida has, they're definitely working hard. You know, you have Napier, you have Tony, you have uh, Jamar Chaney in the off-field role. Um, I'm sure Mike Peterson, now that he's been hired, has been involved. Um, so you have a large group, Joe Hamilton, who has ties to the Texas area in the off-field role. Um, you have a lot of guys that are working on Harold Perkins. Um, even a guy like Kamari Wilson, who's already been signed and enrolled at Florida. He'll be in his ear. He was in his ear during the Under Armour week of practice. Um, he's committed to Texas A&M. He did commit to them earlier this month during the Under Armour game, has not been shy whatsoever about saying that he was going to take visits after the fact that he did not sign early with Texas A&M. Florida was one of those visits 
that he has always consistently said, even during Under Armour, when the date wasn't set, that I'm going to visit Florida. I know I'm definitely going to visit Florida. Um, that's been set for this weekend. Um, LSU is another visit that's been kicked around. I believe he's also in the Polynesian Bowl, which is the weekend of J- January 21st. I'm out there in Hawaii, which is like the greatest thing in the world. I mean, you get a week in Hawaii. You, you heading out there? <laughs> I wish I need to try to find that on the expense that one. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, So, you know, that game has really turned into a big, you know, all-star type of game, maybe not as, you know, as an army game or an Under Armour type of game, but they've got some good players. Perkins is one of those big players that'll be on Florida's campus this weekend. Um, Another high four-star top, uh, top 40 type of guy that's going to be on campus is safety Jacoby Matthews who's been a really familiar name for Florida fans for most of this cycle. Um, Really earlier on in the year 2021, back in, I believe, January, he was offered. He was talking a lot with Keyron Ratliff, um, had a lot of interest. They were waiting for Weston McGriff to get hired. Once he was hired, they offered. Um, He was really into Florida, but just was never able to make a visit to Gainesville, was talking to them a bunch. Um, I believe it was in the earlier part of the summer or in the later part of the spring, he committed to LSU, the in-state school, um, backed off that. Corey Raymond was involved in that. And that's another tie that has carried over. He did back off that commitment in the later part of the summer, has already taken visits to Texas and Texas A&M. Florida will be the first visit out of the gate. Um, Alabama is a visit that's been mentioned. LSU going back there um, to spend time with that new staff. I think that the Bama visit doesn't, it hasn't seemed, because he's tried to set Bama a couple times and it just never seems like a visit really actually officially materialized. So I think going forward that it's a Florida LSU battle. You've got all these guys with ties to the state of Louisiana from coaching from ULL staff that Napier brought along. You've got Corey Raymond, like you said, um, a guy that, you know, has was recruiting him to LSU, has a really good relationship with him from when he was at LSU. And both of those guys, Napier and, and Corey Raymond, both, I mean, as soon as they were hired at, at Florida, boom, they're, they're recruiting, you know, Jacoby Matthews really hard. So I think that that's a guy, you know, you're battling out LSU. LSU's taking a lot of transfer portal guys in the defensive backfield. I was going to ask you I don't know that. that that's something that's going to deter them from their interest because, I mean, Jacoby Matthews, again, you've got a top 40 type of playmaker. Yeah, you, you take a step. That you're going to have for four minutes. But you it could impact him. Baller. You know I mean? Sure. And where Florida has a big need, and I think the biggest question that Matthews is wanting to get answered this weekend is, how do I fit in your defense? What's the defense going to look like? You know, it's not so much of spending time in Gainesville or, you know, yes, spending time with the coaching staff is important, but I think more of X's and O's talks. How am I going to fit? How am I going to be used? How are you going to get me this next level? How are you going to elevate my game? All those types of things are the big questions that he has. Um, Four-star athlete who's more of a hybrid type of tight end guy. Um, Arliss Boardingham, he's going to be coming out from the state of California, um, going to visit Oregon after Florida. It's those two teams that are really kind of the big ones involved. Um, Miguel Mitchell, another guy who's been a kind of a late riser as a senior. He's a former Vanderbilt commit, but has landed a ton of offers. Florida and Tennessee seem to be battling out for him. Um, Caleb Douglas, I think, is the one guy that I think is is – Really one to watch this weekend. I don't know as far as a decision, but, you know, I think that he could alter the timeline of wanting to commit sometime around February 1st um, to maybe moving that timeline up because he's going to be able to see Florida for the first time. He's heading into this visit with Florida leading, was committed to USC at one point where Kerry Colbert, Florida's now wide receivers coach, was an assistant coach. So all those ties together and all those things, it kind of seems like everything's kind of aligning for Florida. Um, so I think he's one to watch. They're going to have a lot of other kids on campus this weekend. They'll have a couple of this, you know, guys that committed, like a Jalen Farmer who didn't sign, a couple signees who were able to take a second official visit that did sign in December. So it's going to be a big weekend. Right now I have 11 guys on the official visitor list. That's kind of more of an expected official visitor list as I kind of turn over every rock going forward to where Friday is. You know, you always have those kind of late additions. The transfer portal is obviously booming so much. Um, so we'll see if that list expands right now. But right now, 
Florida sitting at 11 guys coming in this weekend, which is a pretty big visit weekend, um, especially for the month of January since the early signing periods happened. Like I always say, man, it's always kind of been like January is so boring in recruiting. You're just kind of sitting yeah, there like, the last couple what of years. Write? What am I going to do? Like, man, I got to figure out a way to generate some kind of buzz or some kind of interest on the site. Like everyone's just sitting here asking me like why it's so boring. And that's not the case this year. So it's an exciting time, at least for me. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things, you know, if you, if you want to talk about Billy Napier's approach going into the early signing period, it's almost, I don't, you know, I don't know whether this is an intended benefit, and that's one of the reasons they, they were selective early on or not, but when you get 11 official visitors on campus in January, you know, and a lot of these guys are high-profile guys like you talked about, you're going right. to create some It's not like a buzz. bunch of guys where you have to Google, like, you know, who the hell is this guy? Right. And, you know, if, if an Alabama or an LSU already has, you know, the majority of their class full and they're only looking to fill two or three spots, you're probably not going to have as many guys on campus. It's, you know, that goes both ways. You can spend more time with those individual prospects. But the there very much is, in my opinion, a sense of when you get a lot of guys on campus and can generate some buzz, that's a big deal. I mean, I you obviously saw Dan Mullen and his staff try to do that with that you know, that, that early June visit try. Uh, but it, but I mean, coming out of those visits that a lot of guys were hyped. I, I, you know, I go back. They definitely to, were. They it, definitely it made no were. sense to do that early. Those guys did have the time where, you know, yes, when you look back the visits, those guys, a lot of those guys ended up elsewhere, but while those guys were on campus, they were able to sit and have conversations of man, like what if we all teamed up all of us, five-star guys, high four-star guys teamed up and came to Florida, we could beat Alabama. Those were the types of conversations that those guys had. Didn't work out in the end, like I said, Yeah. but there's, there's no negativity. You know, I mean, that, that's what you want out of a visit. You want these I, guys I just, hyped. I thought they screwed up the timing. Around. Like I thought they should not have gone so sure. big on the first weekend because definitely because then other programs are following up you know, right off. after the visit high wears exactly. off. And I think that's the, the good thing about having a weekend like this is, you know, you get one or two of those guys to commit or think about committing. All of a sudden you've got, you're towards the end of the process, right? Not the beginning. So you're, you're kind of leaving a great last impression. And I think that's something that Florida can really take advantage of this weekend. Blake, yeah, um, definitely. I don't want to keep you too long because one, I don't want to give away all the juice that you've been posting on Swamp 24 seven on recruiting. And guys, if, you, if you're not on Swamp 24-7, be sure to check it out. Blake is absolutely all over recruiting. You know, he's keeping you up to date with who shows up, uh, who's expected to show up, who, you know, has changed plans. I know Blake put out uh, a story earlier about one visitor that is not coming anymore and, and kind of what that can mean. He does a great job of keeping you kind of in the loop. And, you know, as much as we like to share on, on this YouTube channel and, and on uh, the podcast platforms, uh, we are a paid subscription site, and I, I think a lot of our members get value out of that. So Blake will keep you updated throughout the weekend. Anything else, Blake, before we sign off here? Uh, not that I think, not that I can think of. You know, it's definitely, you know, this weekend is the big weekend for Florida as far as official visits go. Um, they're going to have some other guys going forward in the month of uh, January coming to campus for official visits. We'll obviously get into those as, you know, those weekends close in. But um, I'm excited to get this class wrapped up, you know, going forward. Just excited to have the, the contact period opening back up. Um, seeing what these guys have to say about Coach Napier and his, and his other guys on the staff with him coming in and working in the living room. Um, I, I like to see the feedback of how these in-home visits go. You know, how can some of these new coaches 
that maybe I'm not familiar with from December, see how they can work a living room, because that's how you get an idea of how these guys are going to start closing things out right. um, during these in-home visits. So I, I, I'm interested. I think that's one of the more interesting things I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, once things open up, that dead period does open up this coming Friday, June 14th. Um, once the clock strikes, uh, the clock strikes midnight as well. Gosh, January 15th. <laughs> <been a> <laughs> once, once, once it strikes January of the 14th on this Friday, things will be back open. The contact period will be back open again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Blake. And then on the other side of that, January 18th, team reports for winter conditioning and that that whole program begins. And then we're really going to find out, you know, from some of our sources on the team and, and whatnot, how Billy Napier is received. Because, you know, anytime there's a coaching change, I know it happened when Nick Savage came in and, you know, it, it, it breathes fresh life into your program. Now, good or bad, players have to accept it and, and be willing to buy in. But generally that happens if you have good leadership and you know, we'll certainly find out. So there's a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks, guys. Keep it locked in on Swamp 24-7. Blake will have you covered with this weekend's official visitors. And uh, if I live. <laughs> if he survives the the craziness. And obviously, we will be tapping into sources as Florida begins to start up its winter conditioning program ahead of spring football and get you all the juice on that. So thank you guys for tuning in. That'll do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.